We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rotowire NFL DFS podcast sponsored by FanDuel. We are now at week nine. I am Scott Jenstead, joined tonight again by Vlad Sedler going over the week nine slate. If you could please rate or review the podcast, we would greatly appreciate that. Those ratings and reviews do mean a lot to us. If you enjoy listening to us, we would greatly appreciate that. If you want to follow us or ask us questions on Twitter, I am at Scott Jenstead, J-E-N-S-T-A-D. Vlad is at Rotogut, R-O-T-O-G-U-T. Vlad, we're halfway through the season now. How goes? I'm good. Very good, Scott. Uh, as you know, it is it, we are recording on a Wednesday, and it's a big day here in the Settler household, uh, party of one. <laughs> but um, I wanted to just thank you for accommodating your schedule today so that we can record this at a special time before the Dodgers-Astros game. So, um, yeah, looking forward to, to this one. Been looking forward, to, looking forward to it through my entire teenage years and adult life. Um, since I was a nine-year-old, so uh, I'm excited about this. It also happens to be my preseason pick, Dodgers over the Astros, so let's see if it comes to fruition. Very nice. Yeah, I figured if we, if we taped during the game, there was no way I was going to be able to not spoil it for you, so uh, I kind of was uh, forced into that one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But uh, tell me, how did, uh, how, how did Week 8 play out for you? Week eight, week 8 was weird for me. I was actually out of town and wasn't able to uh, watch games, so I had to kind of watch everything, uh, do some studying on, uh, on Monday and Tuesday. But, uh, you know, the morning games were really poor. I thought I was going to have a losing day. And then uh, then my boy Juju Smith-Schuster saved the day, uh, brought me back to, uh, I think I was a little bit uh, a little bit above even or right around even. Uh, that 97-yard touchdown was, was huge for me. One of my two main teams had, uh, had Juju at not a super high percentage. And uh, he was a monster for me, kind of saved my day. Him and Ezekiel Elliott were kind of my saviors. 
And I was surprised that he was, uh, you know, generally sort of lower there, um, you know, percentage wise on FanDuel, especially, you know, a lot of people are trying to get Le'Veon Bell in and, and probably had other, you know, spots. But uh, obviously it was an absolute smash spot for, for Juju, especially with him talking all week about, you know, being very active on Twitter and, you know, the saga with his bike and everything like that. So, um, you know, he, he kind of sold me on it. He said, hey, play me in fantasy this week. And uh, I did. And he came through big. Uh, you know, for me, it was an all right week. I mean, I played sort of lighter in cash games than I usually do. Uh, I did win those, uh, but I didn't really make a, a dent too much in GPPs. Um, and that's despite having Wilson in about Russell Wilson in about 80 percent of my lineups. Unfortunately, I had paired him with Baldwin everywhere uh, and I never really gave much consideration to Richardson and Lockett. And, you know, just kind of feel like uh, starting to have tunnel vision that I need to sort of break through. Um, and then also, I just ended up having a little bit too much exposure to Devonta Freeman, who obviously was uh, not at full strength the second half of that game. Bad weather, just not a good game for him. But uh, I did have some Juju and some Prater in that night game, so it salvaged me a bit. Uh, but all in all, nothing special in Week 8. Yeah, quarterback was a weird spot last week. You had Wilson and Deshaun Watson that went nuts. Obviously, Deshaun Watson in the perceived tough spot at Seattle. But, I mean, Kirk Cousins had one touchdown. Uh, Dak Prescott and Drew Brees threw for zero touchdowns. It was a... It was a really weird boomer bust week at quarterback. If you didn't have Wilson or Watson, you really kind of struggled because those the people with those teams just mashed. Yeah, I mean, it's just becoming quite clear that Watson is an elite, um, almost master-proof quarterback, uh, wise beyond his years. You know, he's tied for the lead in passing touchdowns with Carson Wentz, and offense is just humming right now. Um, what's great, though, is that this week, and we'll get to it, but, uh, you know, FanDuel pricing has really tightened up this week. They priced him up at 9600 uh, which is really going to keep them from, you know, I mean, you know, 1500 lower and you're looking at somebody that's potentially 60 percent owned. And so it's a really tough decision for people. But, you know, we'll, we'll get into that as we go through the games. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, kind of Baldwin and, and Freeman hurt you. The game that hurt me was Carolina Tampa Bay. I really saw that as a, uh, a high scoring game. Uh, you know, Cam, they, they, the Panthers won that game, but Cam didn't look good against a really bad Buccaneers defense. And then Jameis Winston looked like he wasn't healthy. I don't know what was up with him. Uh, didn't They scored three points against the Panthers. I thought that game was going to turn into a shootout. Really uh, did not even come close to that. Uh, that one that one hurt me, and uh, I was uh, I left unimpressed by both quarterbacks in that game. Oh, definitely. Um, <laughs> a lot to be said about being unimpressed with Cam Newton this year. Yeah, so as we move on to uh, to week nine, it's another it's another big week of bye weeks. We have six teams on bye this week. Uh, the Bears and Browns, which don't uh, don't hurt us much for fantasy, but then the, we get the Chargers, Vikings, Patriots, and Steelers also off. You know, four teams where you know you all, always have a couple guys that you can play on those squads. So that uh, kind of uh, kind of leaves the cupboards a little more bare than usual. The Thursday night game, not in the slate this week, is Buffalo and the Jets. So we don't lose a lot there. But then uh, Detroit and Green Bay play Monday night, so a, a few plays there. But uh, moving on to the first game. Uh, kind of an interesting game, you know, a game that, uh, you know, maybe six weeks ago looked a little different than it does now. We have the Broncos going to Philadelphia. Uh, Philly is a seven and a half point favorite, best record in the NFL, seven to one off a complete uh, complete mashing of my 49ers in a game that uh, I did actually predict as a, a game that Philadelphia was going to absolutely destroy them. Uh, starting on the Denver side, it looks like Brock Osweiler is going to play quarterback. Trevor Simeon has looked horrendous the last couple of weeks. We get Osweiler in there. Uh, what do you do with the Denver side of the ball here? Well, yeah, first of all, I just wanted to mention that, uh, you know, as opposed to last week where we had uh, obviously tremendous issues with the weather and the storm on the East Coast, uh, you know, sort of looking ahead, it's looking a lot better. I don't see any games with, a, you know, any serious, uh, you know, super wind, you know, winds higher than 20 miles per hour or, or any serious concern of rain. So that's really good. That, that should sort of make things easier, especially if we're building earlier in the week uh, with Denver. I mean, 
I don't know, just not much interest for me on this side. I mean, funny enough, I do think that Brock Osweiler might actually be somewhat of an upgrade over Simeon, who, I mean, his pocket presses is just awful. He's just someone over the last few weeks who just kind of looks like he doesn't belong in the NFL. And so, um, you know, nobody I'm interested here for cash games. Um, you know, if Sanders might play, uh, I think that obviously helps things a little bit, especially if there's a garbage time scenario. But Demarius Thomas, man, I mean, he hasn't sniffed the end zone in 13 games. And I don't know, he's he's running routes poorly, uh, you know, continuing to drop the ball a lot. Um, you know, pretty much somebody I'm not really trusting here. Yeah, he hasn't scored in 13 weeks, but he's, you know, kind of still been oddly productive. You know, in five of the seven games, he has over five five catches and over 60 yards. But it's those two games where he's under 12 yards that really hurt you. But could be a good game script for him. You know, Philly's, a, Philly's an over a touchdown favorite. Denver might have to throw the ball the whole second half. Demarius does have 29 targets the last three weeks. I don't think I'll take anybody from the Denver uh, the Denver offense. With uh, I like Philly's defense and being a road game. If I had to take somebody, the Demarius 6700 is probably who I'd jump on. Yeah, fair enough. And as far as the running backs are concerned, I mean, I really can't trust anyone there. I was big uh, a big C.J. Anderson supporter in the preseason, especially when I was grabbing him in the sixth and even seventh round in some cases in uh, some high-stakes leagues. And he's still the lead guy. But all three of these backs are healthy and they look decent. Uh, you know, Jamal Charles looks all right. Devontae, uh, you know, Booker scored a touchdown last week. Uh, you know, Philly's eighth-ranked Rundy in a potential negative game script on the road just doesn't seem like a spot I want to take a chance on. What about the uh, the, the Philly side of the ball? Who, who interests you here? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because you're going against a Denver secondary that obviously is really good. So Carson Wentz is 8,000. He's balling out. There's no doubt about that. He's been fantastic so far this year. But I'm just not paying 8000 for a quarterback against the Broncos. They haven't given up uh, over 240 yards to a quarterback all year. Same with Alshon Jeffrey at 6700 You know, he's priced pretty well. I just don't want to face that secondary. The guy that I'm interested in is Zach Ertz. Um, Denver does shut down receivers, but tight ends seem to kind of get theirs against them. Uh, Kelsey was 7 for 133 in a touchdown last week. Hunter Henry had 73 yards the week before. Evan Ingram had 82 yards a week before that and a touchdown. So I think if I'm going anywhere with the Philly offense, this is Zach Ertz. I know he's priced up at 7600 probably limits his ownership a little bit, but uh, that'd be my favorite play on this offense. Yeah, and that's my only concern is the price. But obviously, you know, every week that guy, that guy is coming through. He's the, uh, you know, ideal cash game play, uh, you know, if you're spending up a tight end. Uh, but in general, I mean, this offense is is one that I believe that I'm avoiding this week. Um, and even the run the run game situation there as well. Uh, the Broncos rank still first in run DVO, DVOA defense. Uh, we don't know if Ajayi will be active. Um, I'm just going to have to learn that, uh, you know, get get accustomed and acclimated with that offense. And uh, even if he does play, I mean, how do we really know how those carries shake out between him and Blunt? Um, the only sad thing I'll mention is that my boy Wendell Smallwood is pretty oh. much a drop in season long leagues, um, especially the team likes Corey Clement. So you might see him, um, you know, really not getting many snaps or possibly inactive in a lot of these games in the second half. Yeah. Not a good sign that in a game where they blew out the 49ers, Smallwood had two touches the whole game. That was, that was one of my more disappointing guys all weekend. Yep, absolutely. Besides that, I mean, to me, you know, this game for the most part with a lot of other beautiful games on the slate, including the next one we're going to talk about. Um, not so, not too much interest in this game. What about the what about the Philly defense? They're priced up a little bit, fifty two hundred. They do have eight sacks the last two games. They scored a touchdown last week against the 49ers. They get they face Brock Osweiler, and it's that formula we talk about a lot. Home team, pretty big favorite against a bad quarterback. Denver's allowed sixteen sacks last four weeks. They've turned it over a bunch of times the last two weeks. I think eight turnovers the last two weeks. Granted, it's a new quarterback, but we're not going to a good quarterback. Um, I think the Philly D is a, a pretty high end play this week at fifty two hundred. 
Yeah, pretty much my favorite play uh, uh, of this game. Um, and usually it, it sort of correlates in terms of uh, teams that I uh, offices that I don't like uh, to take from for for DFS and they're in the in the defense, the corresponding defense. And so um, definitely interesting. Um, we've got Jacksonville priced up there with, um, you know, Philadelphia and Houston also in a very similar situation. Um you know, deciding between these three teams and even Tennessee uh, might be difficult, but I think Philly is up there. So moving on to the next game, we have the Rams uh, going cross country to face the Giants. Rams are actually a three and a half point road favorite. How times have changed over under this game is uh, a kind of a low 42 uh, on the Rams side of the ball. You know, a little bit interesting. They've obviously been, uh, you know, a really good team this year. They've won four games on the road already. Uh, what say you about Jared Goff? We have no Javoris Jenkins this weekend. He was uh, he's been suspended by the team. Uh, yeah, I mean, golf is interesting. I could probably name six or seven quarterbacks that, uh, that I like better. Um, and you know, the price is, yeah, the price is decent, but you know, a spot even without Jenkins, um, at New York on the crest country, not super interested. Uh, you know, the Rams receivers are somewhat intriguing to me this week. Um, and I think I probably might have a little bit of Sammy Watkins exposure. I just can't seem to put this guy. Yeah, but, you know, in, in, in tournaments, uh, you know, with the Rams fresh off the bye, uh, definitely nice that Jenkins is out. Um, and, you know, Watkins did somewhat hold his own against Patrick Peterson a couple weeks ago. He's probably going to see the, a combo of uh, coverage from Ross Cockrell and the always appetizing matchup of Eli Apple. And I think for that reason, um, I, I'm interested in some Sammy. Yeah, I think he can kind of be a GPP flyer. He's faced uh, priced at 6000 on FanDuel this week. Um, the only thing is he's got one game over 60 yards all year. That was the big game against he had against the 49ers. But uh, I just uh, he's hard to trust. But if you want to throw him as a as a GPP guy, I guess I can get it. What uh, what about Todd Gurley this week? Priced up at 9100. Obviously, he's had a fantastic year so far. Are you on Gurley this week? I like him. I haven't made a decision. Uh, I do like him a little bit more than uh, Kareem Hunt, but it's really close. Um, you know, I haven't ran my projections yet, but. Um, you know, Gurley's the priciest back this week, uh, and justifiably so. I mean, he's led all running backs on this specific slate with uh, FanDuel points, just over 21 points a game. And really, I think that decision comes down to those, you know, looking at Gurley versus Kareem Hunt if they are paying up in that spot. Um, you know, Giants do rank 24th in DVOA against the run, but they are allowing just 4.2 yards per carry against, and they've only allowed two rushing scores. But then again, Gurley can kill you, uh, you know, as a pass catcher as well. Such a heavy usage monster. Uh, and I think he's definitely in the conversation this week. Yeah, and the Giants' run has been coming on a little bit lately, too. They uh, they shut down the uh, the Seahawks' run game last week, which is, you know, not only impressive when you have Rawls and Lacey running, but they uh, they shut down the Broncos the week before that, too. I mean, Jamal Charles and C.J. Anderson had a combined 36 yards. So uh, they were getting beat a little bit early. You know, Zeke got them and Melvin Gordon got them. But uh, they seem to be a little bit better the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, is there anyone else that you would even consider here? Like, you know, Rams D, for example, I think could be an okay consideration. Obviously, I'd prefer them much more so if they were at home. Always a sneaky play, you know, almost guaranteed at least one interception here, even though Eli is at home. Um, and then the tight ends, you know, to be honest, I mean, uh, tight ends against the Giants are in play each and every week. Um, and if I was punting at this position, I'd consider Tyler Higby uh, probably over um, the rookie Gerald Everett simply because he's seeing more snaps a game. Yeah, the only guy that might be interested to me a little bit is uh, is Cooper Cup. He had uh, ten targets in in their last game. The Giants have given up a little bit on on the pass game uh, recently. Doug Baldwin got them for ninety yards and a touchdown uh, last week or two weeks ago before their bye week. And Demarius Thomas had one hundred thirty three on the week before that. Um, I think one of Cup or, or Watkins could have a good game. It's just 
kind of hard to pick uh, pick which one there. Maybe maybe split them in a couple of GPPs. Yeah, and on the giant side of the ball, I mean, like honestly, outside of Evan Ingram, and he's even priced up at sixty three hundred this week. Um, really, you know, no one really else I'm, I'm interested in. Um, want no part of Darkwa or any other of these, you know, putrid wide receivers. So, um, you know, hey, you never know. Eli could could, could pop off with Roger Lewis. Um, if I'm playing 150 teams, um, I don't even know if I would play those two on a team. What about uh, what about Sterling Shepard? He partially practiced on Wednesday. He's only 5,900. Should be the Giants wide receiver one going forward, assuming he's ready to go. Uh, I don't know. Maybe a lot of targets, especially if they get behind in this game. Yeah, and I, I honestly almost forgot that guy existed <laughs> just because I've seen that that lineup, uh, you know, out that offense out there the last few weeks. So yeah, I mean, fifty nine hundred is definitely a solid price, but that's about it for me for this game. Yeah, and Ingram uh, Ingram's had a third of the targets for the uh, Giants since uh, Odell Beckham got hurt. Nineteen targets last two weeks, eleven catches, one hundred forty two yards, two touchdowns. You know, Manning just loves going to him. I, I just like you said, the price is a little bit high. It's sixty three hundred. He, he's fully priced now, but he he's got to be the best player on that Giants offense. Yeah, I mean that's just funny. A rookie running, a rookie tight end right. is the offense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's move on to a game that's a, a little more interesting, and this is a really intriguing game to me, especially based on what Tampa Bay did last week, laying the egg against Carolina. They go to New Orleans in the Superdome. Uh, Saints favored by a touchdown. Over under big number, big round fifty. Um, starting on the, I think both sides of the ball actually really interesting discussions on this one. But starting on the Tampa Bay side. Uh, Jameis Winston's listed as questionable. He uh, he had a limited practice today, so looking like a little bit better. He's going to play. He looked awful last week. Uh, what are you doing with the Tampa Bay uh, Tampa Bay uh, offense here? You know, good game script. You like the you like the thought they're going to throw the ball a lot in the second half indoors, high over under. Uh, where do you come down with Tampa Bay here? Honestly, you know, in the in this uh, rough and tumble every week, uh, you know, any given Sunday NFL, I can definitely see uh, Tampa Bay stepping up uh, in this game. My only concern is that, um, you know, Winston is not at 100 percent. And the fact the New Orleans defense is uh, seems to be improving every week. And so don't necessarily see this one as a blowout. I do think the uh, the, uh, you know, perhaps the the over under might be a little low, but I think the, the, you know, the line of seven is, is just right. Um, and again, it's like a really tough matchup for Mike Evans, for example. I mean, he's up against Marcus Lattimore, who isn't quite in that shutdown range, but he's slowly getting there. Um, and he's likely to shadow Evans. Uh, and I think Evans will probably get a few catches, but it'll probably be one of those like, you know, three, you know, three of 10 targets or something like that. So, you know, to me, um, honestly, it's really tough for me to figure out who I love in this game. The one guy I sort of noticed that might be interesting, um, but again, just a GPP flyer because he's hard to trust is Adam Humphreys, um, simply because he's got going to have the matchup against slot man Kenny Vaccaro, who literally, I mean, he's just been getting exposed week after week. Um, of course, that is until his matchup with Kendall Wright last week in Trubisky. But um, but other than that, um, you know, Brait versus Howard, um, you know, D-Jax, there's just so much going on here. Um, it might be a spot that I stay away from unless I'm stacking this game. Yeah, I kind of think this has a sneaky chance to be a, a shootout of a game. Um, I know everybody's talking about Lattimore, but, uh, you know, he's a rookie. They've uh, they've faced uh, Mitchell Trubisky and, uh, and, and Brett Hundley the last two weeks, so I throw those out the window. Uh, both uh, Golden Tate and Marvin Jones got them in week six, so they both had good games. I really like Mike Evans this week. I think he's going to be lower percentage than he should be. He's still high priced at 8,500. We'll keep some people away. The Saints defense and Lattimore will keep people away, but just a target monster. 36 targets last four weeks, eight or more targets in each game, um, 60 or more yards in six of his seven games. He's really a nice uh, nice floor guy, nice cash guy, but also possesses that upside. 
you know, he's got, I think he's got a seven, uh, seven catch, 100, t- 100 yard, uh, two touchdown game in him somewhere here. Uh, I think if they're playing from behind, this could be a really interesting spot for Evans. And he's a guy that, even if Ryan Fitzpatrick does come in, I think he's still playable. Uh, you know, if Jameis' shoulder doesn't uh, is not working well, but uh, I like Mike Evans a lot this week. I think he's kind of sneaky. Yeah, it's funny because I, uh, Scott, you're like officially the, uh, the the cornerback matchup fader. I like it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, definitely. I mean, you know, everybody reads all week about something like this, and you know, maybe I'm falling for it as well. And uh, I wa- I've watched a lot of Lattimore this year, and I think he's absolutely exceptional. Um, but yeah, I mean, Evans is one of the biggest receivers in the league. If Winston can get it to him and uh, the game is going to be competitive, then absolutely it's a spot. I mean, I'll, I'll probably not going to have him in my cash game lineups, but in a tournament, absolutely. So what about you mentioned Cam Brait real quick. He has uh, 60 plus yards in all of his last five games. Uh, again, could be a nice game script. If they get behind this game, I'm going to throw the ball a ton. Could be feeding Brait a lot. Um, he only had five targets last week, his least amount of targets since week one, but he still had 64 yards. He's just so rock solid every week. It's it's surprising every time you look up in the box score, he's always having a good game. He he has been. Um, you know, it's just a it's just a price thing for me this week, but I could definitely see it working. But you know, over the last you know two games, he's combined for seven for seventeen fantasy points. And if he's not getting in the end zone, you know, in a Fanduel type setting where he's catching four balls for 50, 60 yards. Um, it's just not good enough to help you win a GPP. I think for that reason alone, he's more of a cash game play. But yeah, 6,100, definitely in the conversation. And if you are game stacking this one, then Braid is probably the way to go. So what about the New Orleans side of the ball? You know, they're, they're projected to score a lot of points. Their implied total is, is really nice in this game. It's about 28 or 29. Uh, what do we do with their offense? You know, they've been running the ball a ton, but it's, uh, it's home Drew Brees again. But last week, Brees had, uh, you know, no touchdowns, but he played really well. It was a weird week. He had no touchdowns, but... 82% completion rate, 290 yards. He played really well, but this is fantasy football. We need the touchdowns. If you don't get those, he's a really disappointing guy. I had him in one of my main teams, and you know it's nice and all they played well, but when you have no touchdowns, that hurts, especially at his price. Yeah, I mean, for the Saints, I think here it's all the makings of an absolutely phenomenal spot. Um, like you mentioned, you've got Breeze at home up against the 31st-ranked pass defense, 50-point projected total. You know, Mike Thomas is healthier, uh, look, looked all right last week. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the only really concern here is that potential game flow and just the fact that the Saints have been more run heavy than they have been in recent years because of Ingram and Kamara. So, um, you know, and just a side note, and obviously it's a whole different Tampa Bay defense this year, but Brees had a one to three touchdown to interception ratio last year against the Bucks and didn't top 300 pass yards in either game. Yeah, and the Saints, the problem with the Saints is they're running the ball so much. You know, Mark Ingram and Kamara getting a lot of touches um, so Breeze is 8,300. He's not cheap, but he's one of those guys that he can always throw up three to four touchdowns. The Tampa Bay Pasty finally played well last week, but I went back and watched that game uh, on Monday, and I thought Cam Newton missed a bunch of chunk plays, a lot of balls that you know a, a Drew Breeze would have completed. Every quarterback before last week had 268 or more yards against the against the Bucks with 11 touchdowns in six games. Uh, I think I'm going to play Drew Brees this week. I think he's going to be lower percentage than normal at home. Uh, I think people are finally, you know, maybe worried that he's not the same guy. I think he's an interesting spot this week. Yeah, I mean, I've got him at the moment for uh, ref projections for about 320 yards and, and two scores. Um, and honestly, I'm not afraid to even use the running backs here in, uh, you know, with Michael Thomas and Drew Brees, just really sort of game stacking this one. Like we've seen, um, you know, some GPP winning teams do last year, uh, especially a guy like Ingram and or Kamara uh, could take one to the house on a on a on a, pl- on a pass play. So 
Um, you know, you've got Ted Ginn here as well. Um, he's in play simply because uh, he he's been a great beneficiary of of Breeze's uh, you know a pass passing. He's been among the league leaders in receiving yards over the last couple of weeks. Um, just want to mention the one guy that really intrigues me, uh, and I, I really like him as a punt play, and want to get your take is on Brandon Coleman, uh, who's pretty much taken over whatever role you know Kobe Finner had there. He's really uh, you know he's a big dude. A uh, really big body target that Brees trusts in the red zone. I think I'm going to have myself some Brandon Coleman this week. Yeah, I just wish he was getting more targets. You know, he's got uh, he has one target in three of his last five games, and he has eight targets total in the last three games. I just wish he was getting targeted a little more. But he's the kind of guy that you can make a big play. They can hit him in the red zone. So as as a punt guy, I think he works in a game that uh, can have a huge total. I probably won't have him very much, but uh, you know, anybody in the Saints offense this week, I think, is pretty live. Yeah, I mean, he's got three touchdowns on the season. His one uh, catch last year went for 54 yards. Yep. Um, so, yeah, you know, obviously, uh, I think people listen long enough to sort of figure out if we're not specifying that, you know, Brandon Coleman is not a cash game play. Right. But for the price, uh, you know, definitely a GPP punt. And, and I'm on met, board. You mentioned Kamara, and I've talked about Kamara a bunch the last few weeks. I really like him. But he's finally priced up. Like. I love him. You he's love. Up, he's up to 6,600 finally. And I just, it's hard when he gets to that price range. There's other guys in that range. And he just doesn't get a lot of touches for that range. He had, you know, had 11 touches last week, 14 the week before. They're just feeding Mark Ingram so much. You know, Mark Ingram has 294 yards and four touchdowns the last three weeks. You wonder if the couple of fumbles he had late last week will hurt him a little bit. But uh, so I just don't know if Kamara's going to touch the ball enough at 6,600. But the guy that I love on this offense, you touched on already, is Michael Thomas. Hasn't fully broken out yet, but still really active. He has over 75 yards in five of his seven games, only two touchdowns. He just feel like he's brewing for a big game. Yeah, uh, you know, simply put, uh, you know, people might might go build some Wilson teams. They might build some Deshaun Watson teams if they want to pay up. But if you want a really nice base for your cash game lineups, just put in Michael uh, Drew Brees and Mike Thomas and Michael Thomas in this one and uh, build around then build around that. And I think you'll be set. Are you uh, are you considering Ted Ginn? You mentioned him real quick. Is that someone you might play this week at all? No, I've been uh, I've been off the Ginn train for for uh, a while. I've missed all those games. Uh, so be it. Um, you know, uh, in in a in a lineup where I'm stacking this game, absolutely, I'll probably have some exposure. Outside of that, I'm not playing him in cash or any of my main GPPs this week. All right. Uh, so that should be a fun game. Moving on to the next one, uh, not as fun. Over under thirty nine and a half. We have the Cincinnati Bengals. Headed to Jacksonville to play the Jaguars. Jaguars are a four and a half point favorite. Um, anybody on the Cincinnati side of the ball you're interested in? Obviously, a very low implied total when they're an underdog, and that over under is so low. Anybody you want to play on the side? No, I mean, you know, maybe give some consideration to Joe Mixon. Uh, even then, I'm concerned a little bit about game flow. Um, you know, obviously, it was encouraging to see him gain over 90 yards, or you know, receiving last week. Uh, but that was a pristine matchup with the Colts. Uh, you know, Jeremy Hill, I think, had like maybe only 12 snaps, which is also good to see. Uh, but honestly, the only way for the the um, Bengals to hang in this one is, is uh, you know, game planning to pound it with their running backs. And so, um, you know, I think Mixon is the only guy I'm considering. And, uh, you know, A.J. Green is about um, – as contrarian as you can get this week for a top end guy. And yep. I want to, I want to see if you're, if you're, uh, if you're um, uh, fading the whisper, uh, whisper fading or whatever, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> Are you, go, would you have the gall to play AJ green in the spot against Bouye and Ramsey? At, uh, at 8,200, I'm just not doing it. He's uh, he's super low percentage, but there's just other receivers I like more. Um, only one wide receiver on the season over 70 yards against the Jaguars. That was Antonio Brown, and that was on 10 catches. 
And that was with Ben Roethlisberger. You know, I just Andy Dalton is uh, is not playing especially well. The offensive line is killing him and killing Andrew Green. It's hard for him to get downfield when the offensive line just can't hold uh, can't hold enough time. Uh, and Jacksonville, you know, they're called Saxonville for a reason. They're going to get after Dalton. I don't think he's have a ton of time to throw at AJ Green. Only allowing 167.7 passing yards per game, number one in the NFL. Um, I like to go contrarian, especially on expensive guys. Uh, just not in this spot for me. Yeah, absolutely. What about uh, Jacksonville? Uh, anyone, who are you interested in here besides the obvious Jacksonville defense? Yeah, and then you got Leonard Fournette. I mean, he's 8,600. He uh, he's finally uh, looks like he's going to be healthy again. He, he, he missed one game, and they had a bye week. So a full three weeks off between games when you go Sunday to Sunday. So that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. He's still scored in every game, but the problem is the Bengals' run D's been good. You know, Gore did play pretty well against them last week. Le'Veon had 134 the week before, but that was on 35 carries. Uh, 8,600, I just think uh, I like uh, I like Todd Gurley more. And then, as we'll see later, I like Kareem Hunt a lot more. So uh, I just don't think I'm going to be able to fit Fournette in at 8,600 this week. Yeah, I mean, and the Bagels have been fairly steady against the run. Uh, they rank 10th in DVOA run defense. They've allowed just three rushing scores. They've held opposing, held opposing running backs to a 3.8 yards per carry against. Um, and it, But still, I mean, I don't know. I don't think that's enough to completely discount Fournette in this matchup, especially with the potential positive game script. But, uh, you know, you can go with the Jags defense and Fournette uh, for that correlation. Um, but, you know, I think Fournette's really going to have to break off a long one. And I don't know if this is necessarily the best spot for that to happen. Yeah, I love I love Fournette as a player. I love watching him play. And he can always he can always beat any matchup. But I just think I like others more at that price range this week. Yep, that's about it for me in this game. I mean, you know, Marquise Lee is a little bing, uh, dinged up in practice this week. Alan Hearns, um, you know, just against this Bengal secondary, not super enthused. Do you like the Jacksonville defense at 5,300? You mentioned them real quick. They had, they had 10 sacks in their last game. Yes, yes, I do. They're my favorite defense of the week. There you go. Yeah, Cincinnati offensive line has struggled. They allowed seven sacks the last two weeks, had multiple turnovers in each of those games too. So um, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, I think I like the Jacksonville defense too, but uh, – what about uh, the next game? Another interesting game, Atlanta at Carolina. We've got another uh, NFC South matchup. Um, Carolina is minus 2.5 at home with an over under 43.5. The Atlanta offense, uh, I'm having trouble figuring these guys out. Uh, what do you say on this one? Yeah, you're probably not the only one. Uh, you know, it, it's really kind of funny to see such a low total, uh, 43.5 in this game, uh, Vegas total. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that Carolina's at home. And they have a stout defense, and Atlanta's just really struggling on offense. And like we said last week, can't blame it all on Sarkeesian. Um, but, you know, Julio, for example, I mean, he's going to spend a lot of time in coverage of, uh, by James Bradbury, which I don't think is going to be too much trouble for him. It's really just about getting him the damn ball. And uh, if we remember, and it uh, worked out for me last year in week four. Oh, how about that game? Three, <laughs> yeah, 300 plus yards uh, against this defense. Very similar uh, secondary. And at that time, Bradbury was a rookie, of course, uh, you know, but honestly, you're never going to see Julio priced under 8,000 almost feels like a gift to me. And I think even despite the struggles with Atlanta, the fact that Carolina has a good secondary, I think to me, Julio Jones is a very easy cash game play at 7,900. Yeah, I was, I was surprised to see him under 8,000. I didn't think they would do that. Um, Panthers haven't allowed a hundred yard wide receiver yet. So I think that that goes into play there. But like you said, he's kind of smoked Carolina recently. He had that 12 for 300 game last year. Then he had a nine for 178 game in uh, 2016. Um, it's hard. Matt Ryan just struggling so much. He's under 260 yards each of the last four weeks. Five touchdowns total in that stretch. Panthers defense is playing really well. I just, I'm a little bit worried about uh, how much Atlanta actually does on offense in this game. 
Yeah, I feel you, but I think they're going to be some points scored. I think they put up at least uh, 22 points. And uh, what can I say? Julio, uh, 7,900. I'm not going to pass on that opportunity. What about uh, what about Muhammad Sanu at 5,800? Now he's back healthy. He's pretty clearly the number two guy. And you know, to, uh, an opposite of Julio is the number two guy is a really good spot to be. And I said that last week with with Juju Smith. You know, you, if you're if you're the number two opposite of stud receiver, just you're always going to get single coverage. Uh, he has 17 targets last two weeks. Good for 12 catches. 139 yards and a touchdown. Kind of a sneaky guy at 5,800 if this game turns into a little bit of an up-and-down game. Yeah, I mean, he's going up against Captain Crunch, uh, Captain Munderland. Uh, <laughs> it's a great matchup in the slot. Honestly, the the the, the, the matchup to uh, be able to exploit, I guess you could say, because, uh, you know, Worley and Bradbury are pretty solid. Um, so I like it, especially I think, you know, Bradbury is going to do his best to try to stick to Jones and, 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 and shadow him. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely not opposed to, uh, to Muhammad Sanu at all. Just not one of my top plays this week. So we talked about how the Atlanta defense, Atlanta offense is kind of a, kind of a mystery. The Carolina offense, you know, fully fits in that too. Uh, Cam, Cam Newton is a tough guy to figure out. He said he had those two phenomenal games where he just lit up, but the other, the, the rest of his games, he's averaging 185 yards and under one passing touchdown in, in that stretch. So He's, he's been so robust. He obviously lost Kelvin Benjamin this week. They traded Kelvin Benjamin to the uh, Buffalo Bills, if anybody did not see that. Um, you know, he just had such a bad game last week. 154 yards against that awful Tampa Bay defense. Brutal. He had 32 throws, too, so it wasn't a game script thing where you know, he threw the ball 18 times or something. Um, I don't know. What do we do with Cam this week? Uh, you just don't play him. If you're playing multi-entry, <laughs> maybe have like a you know four or five percent exposure if you really want. But uh, there just really isn't a lot of upside. Um, you know, we were already tentative last week about playing him in an absolute amazing spot against Tampa Bay, and he disappointed. And so, you know, uh, unless you're getting insanely contrarian, what's the true reason? In you know, with so many other good quarterbacks and better matchups who are more accurate, you know, why would we go with Cam in the spot? So, to me, I'm not interested. Uh, you know, Funches, I guess, you know, we can, of course, sometimes go with receivers um, that we think are going to get the majority of the work, even if we're not rostering their quarterbacks. I think this is one of those spots. Um, and uh, I'm going to be a uh, corner anti-cornerback whisperer. Uh, I don't mind him lined up against Desmond Trufant, who uh, was burned quite uh, often last week against Robbie Anderson. And to me, Trufant's just been OK. He's think he's a little over the hill. I don't think he's the same shutdown corner he's been in years past. Yeah, Funches is a tough one for me because it's hard to ignore the volume. 31 targets the last four weeks. Um, I just don't think he's good at playing football. He's inefficient. He's unexciting. All those targets, he still hasn't topped top 70 yards all year. I get he's going to get a lot of red zone looks, and that's kind of where he's going to value is going to be, but he's so TD dependent. I just don't see a way he goes off in yardage with, the, with the, just the fact the way he plays. He's not fast. He's kind of a big possession guy. He needs to score to, uh, to be worth it. Uh, I think he's uh, going to be high percentage this week. I think he's going to see the number one corner from now on, which I think is going to be a, be a big difference for him. Uh, he's a fade for me. I'm probably the only one fading Devin Funch this week, but uh, I'm out on that island. No, I don't think he'll be the only one, and uh, it's a very sound argument. And just funny how you could, how somebody can potentially be really bad at something yet still make millions of dollars at it. I guess it happens all over our country, but that's a different yeah. story. And the, and the amount of targets he's going to get, I mean, that's so important. Volume is such a key. He's only went 6,100, so I, I totally get it. I just have a hard time playing someone that uh, I just think has so little upside. Yeah, and you just lose a big piece like that of Kelvin Benjamin. Um, get you know, Punch is going to get a lot more attention, and now you've got rookie court Curtis Samuel, who's probably going to play in the slot, and uh, Russell Shepard is probably going to be over on the other side of Funches. And so, 
Um, you know, again, guys I'm not really interested in, especially matching up against Robert Alford and then Brian Poole in the slot. Um, you know, for me, I don't know. Yeah, the quarterbacks even, I'm not, neither of the quarterbacks am I really that interested in. I'll probably have Ryan on some Julio teams. Um, you know, for me, I, I like Wilson. I like Breeze. I like some of these other guys. Um, I think for the most part, outside of Julio, not too interested in this game. If you had to take someone between Curtis Samuel and Russell Shepard, who would it be? Uh, would probably be Shepard. Yeah, I think I agree because there. He's not a rookie. Yeah, a lot of guys, a lot of people really like Curtis Samuel this week. They think he's just going to, you know, kind of slot in and, and be the guy right away. But he hasn't topped two catches or 20 yards in a game yet. I don't think he's going to just walk in and be a beast. Uh, Shepard has not a lot of catches either, but he, you know, he does have 10 targets last three weeks. I think Cam probably trusts him a little bit more. Only 4,800. I could see that as an okay punt play in this game. Yeah, I mean, one of the wisest things people could be doing this season is just like a very uh, straight-up strategy is just fading the not and not rostering the rookie wide receivers because they've essentially all are injured or are busts. So um, I, I wouldn't expect all of a sudden a monster game out of Curtis Samuel. Speaking of rookies, uh, what do you do with Christian McCaffrey here? He's down, uh, down to 6,100, um, super reliant on touchdowns. He's just not getting a lot of yards. PPR, he's, a, he's a, kind of a monster. He's getting a lot of targets. You wonder without Benjamin – Maybe he gets even more targets. Maybe he wides up, lines up on the on the wide out uh, a little bit more. It's just hard to play him without getting those yards. You just have to get the touchdown. I, I think in a full PPR site, he's interesting, but in a half point PPR, I have trouble getting him in there, even at the lower price. It wouldn't be a RotoWire podcast co-hosted by Scott Jensen without a mention of former staff Stanford player Christian McCaffrey. Now, would it be? But it was uh, um, it was not an especially positive vein. Yes. No. Uh, <laughs> He's always in consideration for me. Honestly, I just prefer him a little bit more in full PPR sites, um, especially in, in, in very nice, pristine matchups. Um, he's just a little priced up for me. He's just sort of one of those guys that I'm skipping over when I'm building lineups. All right. Before we head on to another game with a high total, a quick read from our sponsor, FanDuel.com. Fancy football fans, football is in full swing, which means FanDuel is also. FanDuel, fancy fo- FanDuel is fancy football for everyday fans. New contests starting every week. No busted seasons. You get the new team every week. Something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from starting at just $1, moving all the way up to as high as you want to play. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. Over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. Take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com RW. Uh, especially if you're in a season-long league where you're two and six or three and five so far this year, it's the perfect time to jump in on FanDuel. Get to play a uh, play a new team every week and, and keep the football season exciting. We still have a lot of weeks left, so make sure to jump in now. You'll get a free six-month RotoWire script subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers you more than uh, one million dollars in cash prizes, with, all with your first deposit on FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com/rw. Void where prohibited. So uh, the big news this week was uh, Deshaun Watson. We hit on him a little bit earlier. Uh, Indianapolis is headed to Houston. Houston's fared by 12.5 in this game. I've actually seen that line go up in a few places, up to 13 or 14. Over-under is 49, so big implied total for the Texans. Um, let's start on the uh, on the less exciting side first. Start with Indianapolis. Obviously, their offense is a, is a complete mess right now. Uh, anybody on this side you, you like? Uh, I, I'm thinking Jack Doyle is probably your guy. No, I did play Jack Doyle last week. He's uh, been a beast lately. Some, yeah, some of the other PPR sites, but uh, did not play him on FanDuel. Um, you know, actually, this game's total has jumped. It, it opened at 48 uh, when we put together uh, put this together. It was a 49. It's up to 50 now, which is pre- pretty interesting. Um, you know, I just think it's very strong potential for a blowout here. 
Uh, Hilton and Doyer will be, be the only two guys that I would even consider uh, and more likely to use them uh, in, a, in a scenario where I'm game stacking this one, uh, where I am playing Hopkins with uh, with Watson and maybe Fuller. Uh, and in that case, probably having someone on the way back like a Hilton or Doyle makes sense. Um, and, you know, I think we're probably going to see a lot of box score chasers uh, go after Doyle after last week's performance. I don't think it's an awful play against a Texas team that's uh, allowed the six most FanDuel points to opposing tight ends. Uh, but if I had a choice, I'd probably prefer Hilton. Yeah, I, Doyle's interesting. You know, just an insane number of targets. So we were talking about 32 in the last three weeks, 215 yards in those weeks. I just think he's Brissett's, you know, security blanket. I think he goes back. Their line is so bad. He's so used to getting sacks. He just kind of dumps it off. Um, on a PPR side, he's he's a really nice play. I'm kind of the same with you on on a on Fanduel with half point PPR. Uh, probably not where I'm going, but uh, I can understand that as a play. I just uh, I don't see his upside, but he's been really good lately. Yeah, and I mean, you just have to imagine that at some point, if this game does get out of hand, like I would expect it to, um, you would probably have, see Jacoby Brissett chucking it to T. Y. Hilton. Hilton's got to connect on something, and you know that this trio of uh, of corners for for Houston with Joseph Johnson and Jackson just really, really don't scare me at all. Say that three times fast. Uh, on the next pod. <laughs> what about uh, what about Marlon Mack, fifty seven hundred? Um, played 40% of the uh, snaps last week, or 47% of the snaps last week, a career season-high 39 snaps. He had a bunch of carries, only 27 yards, though. He wasn't especially effective in his uh, in his carries. does have 11 targets last two weeks. Kind of feels to me like kind of a, a GPP, big play type of guy. You know, maybe they dump the ball off the whole second half. They're trailing in a bunch uh, by a bunch. Uh, 5,700, one of the more intriguing, intriguing lower running back plays. Yeah, and uh, you know well, Scott, I love Marlon Mack. Yep. I played him in one of my main lineups a couple of weeks ago uh, in a high-dollar entry lineup, um, and even I probably would not recommend him in this spot, uh, specifically for FanDuel. Uh, I love Marlon Mack. If I'm not playing him, you probably shouldn't either. <laughs> that's usually yeah, that's, good, that's a good way to go. If you're not playing Marlon Mack and I'm not playing Christian McCaffrey, it's a, it's a good week to be off those guys. Exactly. Um, so what about Houston? Now, obviously, Deshaun Watson, insane last week against Seattle. Um, you know, 67 yards rushing, over 400 yards passing, four touchdowns. Uh, have you seen his price yet this week? 9,600. Woo. Yep. And I think that's uh, phenomenal for FanDuel where pricing has uh, been a little – it's been easy to put lineups together in. Uh, and now if you are playing Watson, it really sort of changes the dynamics of everything with lineup construction. Um this could be, you know, it could be one of two things or could he just end up being in the middle? I mean, hey, that's football in, in, in a nutshell, right? But uh, it could be a letdown spot, but it's much more likely that it's going to be another 40-point outing for the Texans. Uh, I mean, these guys whipped the Seahawks stout pass D last week in a shootout, and now they literally get the best possible matchup for a pass uh, for a pass offense. Um, you know, again, only concern here, this, they get off to an insurmountable lead, and they just rely on Lamar Miller, Miller to handle the load in the second half. And so... You know, not only is Watson, Watson the price is his, at his position, but so is DeAndre Hopkins by a lot. And uh, so, you know, you could still build a half-decent cash lineup with these two. Um, but honestly, I just think there are more viable options here, um, you know, simply because of the potential for the blowout. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, my one concern at 9,600 is just the game script. He's super expensive. Uh, if they get up in this game, they're going to run the ball a lot the second half. Um, for the last five quarterbacks against Indy, have thrown for over 295 yards. The matchup is fantastic. So, um, are you playing him? What, what are you going to do with him? I, I'm back and forth on Watson. Uh, he's so tempting, but um, I don't know. Hard, hard price for the price for me at the with the game script. 
Yeah, it's just really about roster construction. I mean, I'm going to play Wilson and Breeze. Um, you know, I'll build those those teams before I go uh, here. Um, you know, but in a game stack, absolutely, because I don't think that, you know, as I mentioned, Houston secondary is not great. They're missing a few, uh, obviously important pieces, including JJ Watt, um, you know, on their uh, on defense on the front seven as well. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, th- this game has a potential for, you know, Indianapolis to make somewhat of a comeback, make it somewhat interesting. But again, we're talking about the highest spread of the week, 12 and a half. Um, but the game, you know, the, the points, the, the, uh, imp- imp- over under keeps rising, so you know we want to have some exposure to this game. So what? Uh, what about Lamar Miller? He's seventy five hundred. Obviously, a nice game script for a running back. Um, he's just so unexciting. He, it's weird. He's had he had two games with two touchdowns. He's had five games with zero touchdowns. He hasn't topped seventy five rushing, rushing yards all year, but he could get a ton of volume in this game. You know, if they get too far ahead, that wouldn't be good for him. They'd probably go to uh, other uh, other backup running backs, uh, Donta Foreman and, uh, and other guys. But you know, if it's if they have a lead, but it's a 10 to 12, 10, 14 point lead. He might get the ball a lot. Yeah, he will. Um, and I, you know, honestly, he might just be my straight up favorite play. Um, I wish he wasn't so expensive at 7,500. And I have seen people become millionaires um, using Lamar Miller twice this year. He was on two <laughs> of the, the perfect lineups. Uh, and so it's funny. Those things, those happen when he was coming in at like four or five percent. Now, when he's going to be like 15 percent, more people on him with, uh, you know, with 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 game script here, um, you know, maybe he just doesn't come through or he gets you 80, 100 yards and does his work over the second half, but doesn't score. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. A lot of ways to go with this offense. What about uh, what about frickin Will Fuller? Um, Seventy eight hundred now. He's fully priced up. This dude has seven touchdowns in four games and only 13 catches. That is literally impossible. You mean Will frickin Fuller? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh. That's wild. I've missed all of those. Um, yeah, you was so impressed both. to see people. Yeah, you know, and, and I saw him. He was, you know, eight percent uh, owned. Actually, I thought maybe he'd be like two or three percent, especially going up against that Seattle defense. Um, but yeah, he was he was owned last week by um, you know nearly one in in every ten person people that played last week. Um, only again, only way I'm I'm running with him here is in a game stack. The dude will probably score another touchdown. It'll probably be like a touchdown on you know on you know two touchdowns and like on two catches and thirty yards. Um, but for me, it's it's with game stacks. I'm not playing him in cash, um, and I'm not especially interested this week. Uh, what about the Houston defense? You touched them real quickly talking about no JJ Watt. Uh, they uh, they've allowed forty plus points in two of the last three, so they haven't done really well in scoring offense. But anytime you go against this indie defense, they give up so many sacks. They have four sacks last week to Cincy. 10 the week before to Jacksonville um, at 5,200. I think I like other defenses more myself. Yeah. And they're there. I, I don't want to fully call them my fade, but to me, you know, when I'm looking at, uh, you know, Brock Osweiler or like Andy, Andy Dalton behind a crappy line, um, these two defenses similarly priced or, or even Tennessee against Ryan Mallett. I have those options over, you know, targeting a defense that's facing Jacoby Brissett, who I think is a much better quarterback. Um, for that reason alone, I'm just not into too into the Houston defense this week. All right, so moving on to another game with a, a little bit of a lower total. We have the uh, Baltimore Ravens heading to, to Nashville to face the uh, Titans. Uh, Baltimore's favored by five and a half, over under of 43. Um, on the Baltimore side, Alex Collins played really well last week. He's uh, only 5,900. Uh, are you interested in him, or are you just a little bit too worried about splitting snaps with, with Buck Allen? No, uh, actually, Alex Alex Collins was uh, the first guy I popped into my lineup uh, nice. when I first set a placeholder lineup on a Monday. Probably not going to use him. I'm going to take him out of there. It's just <laughs> he was way too cheap. 
Uh, and I don't love him any any time that a uh, running back is is playing Tennessee on the road, especially when they're underdogs. Um, but I looked. I like how good he's looked. He's led all running backs with a whopping six yards per carry. And I think it's on just like 80 rushes or something. But um, he's basically all but rendered Buck Allen unplayable in DFS. And Alex Collins looks really sharp. Um, amazing. Uh, can you imagine what Pete Carroll could sure could have used a guy like that, huh? I was going to say, go. yeah, they, he looked really nice uh, for the uh, for the Seahawks right now. Definitely better than Eddie Lacy uh, or or Thomas Rawls or uh, McKissick or Procise and the guys they got going there. Um, you know, Tennessee's been interesting though. No, no running back has run for uh, for eighty yards against them. Um, but uh, nobody I really like on the side of the ball. Jeremy Macklin a little bit at sixty three hundred. Um, somebody has to catch the ball there, especially if Ben Watson doesn't play. But I'm just kind of uh, I'm not really feeling the Ravens offense too much, aside from maybe a little bit of Alex Collins. No, I see this as a low-scoring game. And on Tennessee's side of the ball, I mean, I guess it's primarily the running backs here. Uh, I know that DeMarco Murray didn't practice on on, uh, on Monday. I haven't seen uh, as of Wednesday uh, if he had or not. Um, but, you know, he's someone I would consider against this Ravens run defense that's allowing actually the third most rushing yards per game, 133 rushing yards per game. A lot of that came during a period when Brandon Williams, their best run stopper, was not playing. He's back. Uh, should be a second or third game back, I believe. So that should certainly help his prospects. Uh, and of course, if for whatever reason DeMarco Murray can't go, you're going to see a lot, all the De- Derrick Henry truthers come out of the woodwork and uh, want to play them, play him in this one. Marcus uh, Marcus Mariota, four touchdown passes in six games. Really? Okay. That is I, I feel, ugly. I feel, yeah, and I and I know he's coming off the injury. I feel a little bit of regression, uh, you know, positive regression coming. Maybe not this game. I'd have to look at the schedule, but uh, I, I love Mariota, man. I think he'll be totally fine. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not as convinced on that. The only guy I like in this game is Delaney Walker. Uh, he's a, dealing with an ankle injury. Didn't practice on Wednesday, so I think I need some news on him. If he looks good to go Thursday and Friday, I just wonder. Uh, the Ravens are getting him six touchdowns to tight end. Uh, maybe Mariota starts to lean on him a little bit more, get the ball to his most talented guy. Uh, 5,600, I like Delaney if he looks good to go, but uh, that's obviously a check the news later in the week. Um, I think that's uh, that's about it on this game. Why don't we move on to the 1 o'clock games. First one, uh, the 0-8 49ers, my squad, at home against the Cardinals this week. Uh, got a chance to win this week, though. Arizona's only fared by 1.5. Niners are off two blowouts against the Cowboys and the Eagles. Over-under in this game is an ugly 39.5. Arizona side of the ball, obviously Carson Palmer's done for the year. Drew Stanton is now their quarterback. Um, Not interested in playing him, but uh, what do you do with Adrian Peterson at 6,800? Well, first of all, this game opened as a pick-em, which I was actually surprised. I figured that uh, Arizona would at least be a field goal favorite on the road, even though they're on the road here against an 0-8 Niners squad. Um, The lines moved up, so as you mentioned, they are now two-point favorites. Um, I do think that... uh, you know, nevertheless, anything can happen. I think it absolutely is a possibility that San Francisco wins their first game of the year. It's a possibility. I still think that Arizona does pull pull this off. Um, for me, Adrian Peterson is pretty much my favorite guy uh, from this entire game. I think he's super cash game viable, uh, specifically because Palmer is out, and I expect a uh, heavier reliance on the run game. And uh, yeah, I think he's absolutely in play. Uh, and by the way, Andre Ellington on uh, full PPR sites. Yeah, I'm uh, Peterson. Kind of falls in that Funchess field for me. You know, such a great matchup. The 49ers, 49ers can't stop anybody, but 
I'm just not impressed with Peterson anytime I watch him. He had that one big game, but other than that, he's looked awful all year long. Um, you know, he was uh, 11 rushes for 21 yards against the Rams. He looked he looked bad again uh, in the last game they played. They had, a, they had a bye last week, so it was two weeks ago. But their offensive line is really bad. But then again, the 40, 49ers defense is really banged up. Ruben Foster's probably not going to play again. He's questionable. Um, they're hoping he gets out there, but I tend to doubt it. I think they'll be pretty safe with him. Um, you know, LeGarrette Blountain and Corey Clement had 102 yards against the Niners last week. Zeke absolutely destroyed them the week before. So uh, I'm kind of on the fence this week on Peterson. I don't think he's uh, I don't think he's really a great play, but the 49ers defense kind of pushes him into that great play field. So I'm back and forth on him. I think I'm going to have a little bit, but probably a little bit less than most people do. That's fair. Uh, what about the passing offense? I mean, obviously it really sucks. No, no more Carson Palmer out for the year. And obviously really hurts the prospects of uh, the passing attack with Drew, Sen- uh, Drew Stanton in the center. Uh, and I do think it relegates guys like Larry Fitzgerald, who would essentially be a, you know automatic cash game play in the spot, more down to a GPP play. Um, I think if anyone that I'm looking at in this game, and because he is a little bit lower priced and one of your favorite receivers, if I'm not mistaken, uh, John Brown. What do you think about Brown and Fitz? Um, yeah, I like I love Brown. I love watching Brown play. He's only fifty seven hundred. I just I just wonder if he gets enough catches and if he's going to be uh, be able to get that deep ball. You know, Carson Palmer throws a lot of deep balls, and and that's what John Brown specializes in. I think Fitz is interesting though. They're off a bye, so you know that helps a little. That help, helps a lot to get Stanton kind of uh, back in the, back in the flow, taking snaps every uh, every practice for two weeks. I think Fitz is interesting at seven thousand. I think he might get overlooked based on the fact that Palmer's not playing. I wonder if Stanton might just lean on him a lot as the as the veteran he's used to. Yeah, and it's just, a, it, you know, it, it's kind of a tough game to handicap, too, because, you know, we really don't know. We've seen Drew Stanton play before, but, uh, you know, uh, you, does, you, do, you really don't get a better matchup than San Francisco, uh, you know, with, with that secondary. So uh, it'll be interesting. And, and I think for that reason, even though they are coming off the bye, I do really think that Adrian Peterson does get a lot of work. I think he does get into the end zone at least once. And I do think that uh, we could play him this week in cash. Yeah, I, I, I think the matchup is going to is gonna trump my feelings on Peterson. I think he gets in the end zone, too. Uh, what about the uh, the Arizona defense? Uh, the Niners have allowed 12 sacks the last three weeks, turned the ball over five times the last two weeks. C.J. Beathard does not look good. He does not look comfortable. He's going to play this week. They traded for Jimmy Garoppolo, which I loved, but he's not uh, not going to play this week, not uh, ready with the offense yet. Arizona defense hasn't done much. They've got 400 yards in all their last three games, but again, going against the 49ers team kind of puts them in the mix as a play just based on matchup. Yeah, and I think I liked Arizona defense earlier in the week when I first browsed through uh, through the schedule. I don't know how big I am on it anymore, but again, you're talking about you know a, a game with a with a uh, over under under forty. So uh, I think potentially you could take a stab at Marquise Goodwin in GPPs. Um, could be the spot where you know CJ Beathard's like, hey, this is kind of my last game here uh, before I'm relegated to uh, being a backup forever. So let me let me just kind of let it all out there. And uh, the one note on that is that um, the guy that everybody has been pounding anytime Justin Bethel slot corner for Arizona is uh, in the game, people automatically play whoever that slot whoever that slot receiver is. Uh, Justin Justin Bethel demoted, and Tremon Williams is the guy manning the slot now. So um, yeah, just something to keep in mind there. Uh, no Garcon for me since he's dealing with the next stinger. He's going to get that Patrick Peterson uh, treatment. And then the only other guy, I mean, the guy that's burdened me the last two weeks, George Kittle, um, <laughs> you know, it's very possible he leads his team in targets and receptions. I mean, I did notice that uh, Grant Selleck was in on a lot of the snaps last week, but he was uh, essentially the blocking tight end. And I saw some, um, you know, s- some formations where it was Selleck and Kittle in the game together. But 
hey, you know this team better than me. Why, why don't you tell me where the plays are? After uh, after two weeks, I'm kind of off the Iowa to Iowa connection, to be honest with you. Yeah, this is their last shot, too. Yeah, what, be about, uh, what about Carlos Hyde? Price all the way down to 6,500. Um, should get volume. You know, he's only he only had 12 carries last week, 14 the week before that, but horrible game script. I mean, they were they were getting killed by the Cowboys and Eagles, you know, almost by the end of the first quarter in both of those games. Uh, it took a little bit longer with Philadelphia last week. Once they got the defensive touchdown opened up, it, uh, it kind of got ugly. He has 17 targets the last two weeks, so they're really featuring him in the passing game. Um, I wonder if he might be a, a bit of a sneaky volume play in a, in a closer game than they've had the last couple of weeks. Absolutely should be. I mean, the, the the price is right. A guy like Carlos Hyde, it just doesn't feel right to me. I always just wish he was on a better team. But you're looking at a, at a price like 6500 for a guy who I'm certain is a top, you know, five or six, uh, you know, maybe top eight uh, running back in this game in terms of, uh, you know, skill level, uh, you know, elusiveness, just a beast. And so, you know, a, a game where you actually have them at home with a close uh, point spread is a good spot to play Carlos Hyde. Yeah, and then, you know, you play him, and then, like, last week, Matt Breida scores the touchdown. So, uh, a little bit frustrating in that offense at the moment. Yeah, mouth Breida. <laughs> John John, La- John Lackey is jealous. Um, that's, that's right. Moving on to the next, next game, game, we have an interesting game. The, the Redskins go into the Seahawks. Uh, Seattle's fared by 7.5, over under a 45 in this game. Seattle, obviously, is off the uh, exciting win over the Texans where their defense got thrashed, but Russell Wilson went crazy. Um, Washington off the game where they lost to Dallas. Um Kirk Cousins, the, the the problem with me on Cousins right now is his weapons are kind of just kind of meh right now. Terrell Pryor is not playing. Um, you know, Watson uh, or Watson lit up the Seattle defense last week, but it was kind of a weird game. Kind of got to me in a back and forth track meet. Uh, they only get up five touchdowns passing in the other six games combined. Um, I don't think I want any part of Cousins this week headed into Seattle. Yeah, I mean, I I, I I'm not super interested here. You're not going to see a uh, replica. Uh, of what we saw last week with Sean Watson. Um, and as far as the offensive pieces here, I mean, there's so many guys, it's, it's really sort of difficult to figure out. So similar to similar situation to the new England Patriots, but without the talent level. Uh, I mean, my favorite, favorite guy guys in this matchup specifically are probably the ones in the, uh, that are going to be working up in the middle of the field, because I think really that's the only spot where the Seahawks can be beat. Um, you know, the problem is, is there are a lot of guys that can fit that mold. Even in this game, you've got Chris Thompson, who obviously is better used in uh, full PPR sites. You've got their slot corner, Jamison Crowder, who finally stepped up and had his best game of the season. He's priced at only 5,600. And then Vernon Davis, if uh, if Jordan Reed misses this game. So, um, you know, w- what do you think? Anybody there stick out to you among those guys? Yeah, you know, I think Chris Thompson does mostly for a game script uh, issue. And, and Cousins, you know, just kind of needs weapons right now. Like we're saying, the, the receivers are kind of a mess. He's only 6,700. You know, I think he's still big play and touchdown reliant. And we, we kind of talked about that last week with Rob Kelly back. Um, Thompson's not going to get a lot of carries. But, you know, Thompson had nine targets last week in a game. They're trailing. I think they're going to be trailing in this game. 19 targets over the last three weeks. Um I think he's a GPP guy, but I think it could be a really big, good setup for him to catch a bunch of basses and get the ball in his hand, especially in the second half. Yep, sounds good to me. Uh, the one other note on this uh, on this offense is obviously uh, for Jamison Crowder because now his matchup is no longer with Jeremy Lane, who's now a member of the Houston uh, Texans. Instead, you've got Justin Coleman, a guy that I really didn't get a chance to uh, to dig into too much before this. But uh, if you get a chance, just just check that out and, and make sure you know who's uh, who's matching up with who. Oh, and P.S. Terrell yep. Pryor is done. Uh, <laughs> one of the worst draft picks I've made. I got him in the third round in a bunch of leagues, and it's uh, he's horrible. 
Um, yeah. The Seahawks side of the ball, obviously, uh, Seahawks offense is really interesting right now, and mostly because they can't run the ball. Their uh, their running backs are all bad. Their offensive line does not run block well, um, but it has fed their passing game. Russell Wilson, 452 yards last week with four touchdowns against the Texans. Week before, he had 334 yards uh, against at the Giants. Um, just going uh, going crazy right now. Uh, my question for you is: Can Washington score enough to make this enough of a shootout for Wilson to go off again? Uh, they can. Um, you know, seven and a half, seven and a half point spread. I I think that Seattle probably wins this game by uh, probably about ten or so, uh, especially because this game is at home. Um, and so you know, and that's sort of part of part of the issue here with me deciding between Breeze and Wilson, and the fact that uh, you know, do we think that Winston, you know, that Winston uh, Jameis can hang in the game and really make that a competitive game with New Orleans? I think there's a lot better chance of that uh, happening than with Wilson. Um, but I really do like Wilson. I do think this game will stay um, somewhat close, at least for the first uh, you know two two and a half quarters or so. Um, really, a lot of this to me depends on Cousins' uh, linemen. And um, if some of them are going to be coming back and healthy. So, uh, yeah, that's that, that's what I think there. Um, and also, I'm not afraid to go back to D- uh, Doug Baldwin after he failed me last week. Um, he's got one of the best uh, matchups this week facing Kendall Fuller, which is really the only spot um, that you can beat these guys, the perimeter uh, uh, cornerbacks here in uh, Breland uh, if he's playing. And, um, you know, Josh Norman, I think, are tough spots. And so um, – Wilson's a guy that I've targeted uh, all season and in, in, in my preseason, in preseason in my season-long leagues. I'm going to continue to ride him in DFS this week. It's just a matter of me figuring out this game and the New Orleans game and figuring which who I want more. Yeah, and the Cousins point is a good point. You mentioned his lineman. You know, it's very important that uh, make sure to check the news on Friday or Saturday. I think both of us jumped off Kirk Cousins as our as our main quarterback last week when you know four of his linemen were injured. Two of them, the two are of better line when were out of the game. Trent Williams and Brandon Scherf. Um, so make sure to check that news. Check our Twitter. Check uh, that kind of stuff. We'll talk about plays that uh, we like more and less as the week goes on. But the thing with Wilson I like right now is he just suddenly has a lot of weapons. You know, he obviously has Doug Baldwin, who we both love. Paul Richardson looks good. Tyler Lockett looks healthy again, and Jimmy Graham's finally playing well too. So he's got four good weapons all of a sudden, and you know this is a, this has become an exceptional pass offense really quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, nobody could fall out of my good graces as fast as Thomas Rawls did, who <laughs> I uh, continually, continually not not as in that I would play him, but that in in, uh, in in fantasy of any sort, but that I had some hope for him to go back to what I saw from him a couple of years ago now that he was healthy and everything. I don't I don't I can't. They ended up winning the game, but I didn't see a guy make any you know more mistakes than one human possibly could do in a football game. Yeah, he's he's bad. Uh, the guy that I like, we talked, you talked about earlier, is Doug Baldwin. I think the interesting thing with him is he might fly under the radar this, this week a little bit with the big games by Paul Richardson and Tyler Lockett. Baldwin's the fourth highest price receiver. He's the same price as Julio Jones this week, so he did not drop in price at all with the uh, with the the game where he didn't do a lot. He had sixty something yards last week. Um, he only has two touchdowns all year. Um, he kind of uh, very much in the Michael Thomas vein. Kind of feels like he's uh, he's about to hit a big one for me. Yeah, I, I already mentioned I like Doug Baldwin a lot. I'm going to yeah. be pairing Wilson with Baldwin. I'm going to play uh, pair Breeze with uh, w- with Thomas. Just a matter of which one is going to be my main lineup, but I'm going to have exposure to both. Uh, yeah, definitely on board. I'm even going to try to fit a team with Baldwin with those combos and Julio and work around that. Any uh, any Tyler Lockett love this week? Uh, 15 targets the last two weeks, uh, turning into a pretty big play guy. 
Yeah, I always love Lockett, um, and, and I think he works in, in you know in Fanduel where you can you know hit for those touchdowns. You don't necessarily need to to rack up the the, the PPR receptions, um, and he's cheap, so he's definitely in play. What about uh, Jimmy Graham? Any interest there? Uh, I, I, lukewarm on Jimmy. Yeah, four touchdowns last three weeks, six targets per game uh, the last six weeks, averaging six targets. Uh, I like how Wilson looks to him in the end zone. Uh, I'll probably have him in a, in a few spots, but I like some other tight ends more. Uh, moving on to the next game, huge over-under in this game. The Chiefs headed to Dallas. Fantastic game. It's a pick-em. Uh, over-under is 51.5, like a perfect game script for what we like to have in DFS. Um, close game, high-scoring game. Starting with the Chiefs' side of the ball, I absolutely love Kareem Hunt this week. I'm going to have him on a lot of my teams. Uh, I've heard a lot of stuff that people maybe think uh, Kareem Hunt's struggling a little bit, not playing as well. He struggled last week. He hasn't scored in four weeks. Uh, at at 9,000, I'm hoping some people jump off. I love Kareem Hunt in this game. Yeah, I mean, to me, it sounds like you like him more than Gurley. Yeah, yes. you might be convincing me here a little bit here as well. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's honestly, there's so much to love in this game. And, and you know, I believe it's, uh, it's clearly the premier matchup of the week, even though we do have a couple other really good matchups. You're going to see a lot of activity DFS ownership-wise in this game. Um, and then there's still the Zeke factor. I mean, there's still a chance he gets to stay in his injunction that he plays. So that's something else we'll have to keep an eye on this week. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a great uh, all-around spot for a lot of pieces of this Kansas City offense. Um, I think this game is an auto stack. Definitely want to, um, you know, want to build some GPP stacks for this one. Uh, and I do like Hunt coming, you know, bouncing back off, coming off a subpar game, his first game without getting 100 yards from scrimmage, uh, you know, in his career, essentially. Um, to me, actually, my favorite guy, and curious what you think, I like Tyreek Hill. Uh, I've already envisioned one of his patented 70-yard touchdown runs on Sunday. Uh, if I'm stacking this game, I definitely want a little bit of Hill. I know Kelsey is the man. I know he's the clear focal points of the focal point of this offense pass-wise. Uh, but I just think Hill has a really good matchup against this Dallas secondary, and I want exposure. Yeah, I uh, I love Hill too. Um, you know, Jamison Crowder had 123 yards in last week. Marquise Goodwin had 80 yards the week before. Devontae Adams two touchdowns the week before that. They've uh, they've been giving up uh, giving up some goodness to uh, to wide receivers. I I think a uh, I just think an Alex Smith Tyreek Hill stack uh, as a kind of a low percentage yeah. sneaky play could be interesting. Yeah, and this is one guy that we have yet to mention, obviously, because we haven't gotten to this game. I like Alex Smith a lot. He comes in, uh, you know, raw points, um, you know, just sort of initial projections. Uh, top four, top five for me to, this week. Uh, right, at, right up there with Breeze, Wilson, Watson. Um, I like his matchup most, you know, more than just about anybody that you can name this week. Um, and you're going to see his ownership higher than usual, higher than normal. Um, he's been an absolute beast. He's averaging over 20, you know, uh, Fanduel points per game. What's not to like? It's a great matchup, competitive game. Let's get some Alex Smith in this week. What about uh, what about Travis Kelsey? Huge game last week against the Broncos. Seven catches, 133 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, you know, he's right up there at uh, 7,000, a little bit less than Zach Ertz. Uh, you like Kelsey or Ertz more this week? Uh, I like Ertz just a little bit because I think um, other spots in that Philly offense uh, are going to have some trouble defensively against Denver. Um, and I just think there are way too many weapons. I think, you know, uh, Kelsey does sort of fall off every, you know, every few games or so. Um, this be, might be one of those spots because it's a potential smash uh, double spot for Hunt and Hill. Um, I'm going to prefer exposure to Hunt and Hill over Kelsey this week. So on the Dallas side of the ball, uh, I think Zeke. I think Zeke Elliott's going to be done. I think he's going to not play this week, but obviously we'll know by Sunday. 
Uh, if he doesn't play, I love the Dak Prescott, Des Bryant stack this week. Um, with no Zeke to feed, I just think they're going to have to rely on that a lot more. They only threw the ball 22 times last week in an easy win, kind of a game script thing more than anything. Much better game script this week with a high-scoring game, uh, close spread. Uh, they the, the the Chiefs have given up a lot of uh, a lot of yards to quarterbacks lately. 417 yards and three touchdowns to Derek Carr in Week Seven, 261 and five touchdowns to Deshaun Watson in Week Five. Uh, I think Dak. Uh, I think Dak gets a little squirrely this week. I think Dez scores twice. Uh, I love them as a stack. Yeah, I'm probably gonna get myself a bumper sticker for the weekend. Uh, so <laughs> many stacks, so little time. No doubt. Um, yeah, just another really yeah, just another good uh, n- another good spot here if Zeke doesn't play. And the other thing is Marcus Peters, um, their one shutdown corner. Honestly, the really only good piece of the secondary. He typically stays to his side. You can almost imagine uh, that Garrett and company are going to scheme and do what they can to keep Des Bryant away from him. Um, and so just for that reason alone, I think it's a good spot. Um, it, worth noting, Cole Beasley is likely going to be out for this game. Um, that means a little bit more of uh, Terrence Williams, um, but he's probably the guy that's going to get most of that uh, attention from Marcus Peters. Um, and really, I wish Bryce Butler would get more involved because I do think that he is their um, second most interesting receiver there. Yet the team continues to trot Terrence Williams out there over Bryce Butler. I think it's a mistake, but hey, I'm not a coach. Yeah, and let's not forget this is the uh, this Chiefs secondary is the one that gave up 210 yards and 11 catches to your boy Amari Cooper. That's right. Very good point. So uh, last game of the day, the Sunday Hammer is the uh, the Raiders headed to oh. Miami. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Before b- before you do, um, okay. I think it's important that we touch real quick on um, the situation if Zeke Elliott is out, um, because I you know I I've read that Alfred Morris has been getting the first team snaps in practice. Um, I think it's too early. We you know obviously we record this on Wednesday night to sort of come to any conclusions. Um, but you know, McFadden has been inactive in all these games that Zeke has been playing, but there've been whispers that McFadden would be the lead dog. Is this even a situation that you touch? Um, especially if you want exposure to this game, you know, I think, uh, I, I think if I did, it, I would have to be, I would have to read some news that someone's going to be the, someone's going to be the lead guy. Um, Morris is 5,600 McFadden's also 5,600. So they price him at the same. Uh, I think it's probably an avoid for me. I think there's other cheap guys. I like more. Um, one of them will hit in this next game. Um, in Kenyon, yep. Kenyon Drake with the Dolphins. I think I'm going to wait a week and watch. Uh, if Zeke's out, I think I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to, I think I'm going to play the, play the DAC factor in that game. If Zeke doesn't play more than anything else. Yeah. Smart. And I agree with you because, uh, the game that we're going to transition to for the Sunday night game has a potential, uh, better option for a lot cheaper. So the Raiders are fared by three on the road headed to Miami. Uh, we get the Dolphins in primetime yet again. Nice scheduling by the NFL there. Sarcasm. Mm-hmm. Uh, over under <laughs> of 44. Uh, Derek Carr, 7,800 this week. Obviously, he's been strong the last couple weeks coming back from the injury. 313 yards and a touchdown at Buffalo in a tough game. 417 and three touchdowns against the Chiefs before that. The Miami Deke uh, past, you know, not great, but they've been limiting total yards. Only one quarterback has over 270 yards for them in the season. Um, I just think that there's a, there's more quarterbacks I like. Carr's 7,800. He's not really cheap. I just think I'm going to go elsewhere at quarterback this week. That's the problem for me is because I think Miami uh, secondary is absolute trash, yet uh, Carr is just too expensive this week. Just a little too expensive based on the other options that you can get to. Um, but, yeah, I mean – the other thing, if you're talking about the receivers, I think most people have figured out if you're going for a Raiders receiver in cash, you want to have that exposure, you always go Crabtree over Amari. 
You can play Amari in tournaments if you want. Um, you know, feel free. But Crabtree is the safer guy. And, you know, this week specifically, they both have great matchups. They're both going to go up against Xavier Howard and Cordea Tankersley. Um, you know, both perimeter corners of this 28th ranked DVOA pass defense. Um, you know, I'm not completely afraid, even though I mentioned uh, as soon as I started talking that I'm not into Carr. I'm sort of talking myself into possibly a stack with uh, Carr with perhaps two of Crabtree, Cooker, uh, Cooper, and Cook. Yeah, I'm not going to go Carr, but I think I'll have some uh, some receiver exposure in this game. Um, I like a little bit of Amari in it, kind of a GPP field, and like you said, Crabtree in a in a cash game. You know, Carr really relies on Crabtree in the red zone. He has over 80 yards in four of his seven games, at least six targets in every game except that weird Washington game where they got blown off the field. Um, no one's topped 100 yards on the Dolphins, though. No receivers got there so far this year, but a lot of those were kind of game script situations where teams didn't throw a ton and they were playing uh, playing from ahead. But on the Miami side of the ball, you know, uh, they traded Jay Ajayi to the Eagles this week. Um, both Kenyon Drake and Damian Williams have been uh, have been mentioned as possible replacements. I think Drake's the more interesting play. He's 4,500 this week. I think Damian Williams will stick in kind of his third down role. Uh, Drake had six carries last week. Damian Williams had zero. Um, you know, he's pretty good as a rookie. 5.4 yards per carry in 2016 on 33 carries. Uh, 4,500. I think uh, I think there have been worse punts this year. I think he's kind of kind of interesting this week. Yeah, and the thing is, uh, unfortunately, in season-long, most people will not hear this uh, podcast until t- after their season-long waivers have run. Um, but I think most people know that uh, you're going to want to bid higher on Kenyon Drake this week. Um, you know, Damon Williams, uh, Damian Williams is serviceable, uh, but he is more probably better suited for um, your, full, your full PPR sites, I guess you would say. Um, we're still not sure how they're going to uh, disperse the carries earlier on this week. Um, you know, as, as we're talking midweek here, but worth noting, both are minimum salary. Um, it could very well be that maybe Williams is the better play this week and Drake is better long term. Um, but I would much rather guess on this situation for 4,500 than I would on McFadden and Morris. Yeah, I feel I feel the same way as you. I'm definitely going to have some uh, some Kenyon Drake this week. Um, what about the what about the Dolphins receivers? Do you like uh, Landry or Parker this week? Uh, I think it's a great matchup for the Dolphins' pass offense as well. Um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I believe I just saw that the uh, the latest DVOA report that uh, the Raiders rank dead last against the pass now. Um, and uh, I did read something about Landry being potentially in jeopardy of missing the game. Um, I'm not sure. I, I you know I'm, I'm not a doctor. Um, I only play one on podcasts. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, you know I like I always like any excuse to potentially play Devontae Parker in a GPP. Still one of my favorite guys, even though he's a super diva. Um, good spot against you know all these you know even Kenny Stills. These are all good spots against the Raiders secondary. I think I just want to see how the health uh, report plays out this week and see exactly who's playing. Yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, Landry's targets are so insane. He's had double-digit targets the last four weeks, 47 last four uh, last four games. But with Parker back, um, you know, it's uh, he probably uh, eased back on those targets a little bit. Uh, Cutler was really feeding Devontae Parker in preseason. Uh, if I see him healthy on Thursday and Friday, ready, fully ready to go, I might slot a little bit of a Devontae Parker in there for a little bit of a little Sunday hammer action with uh, with a wide receiver. All right, we are on to the recap. Um, quarterback. Yeah. Please, Scotty, tell me your, your your favorite overall play and your favorite mid-range play. My uh, my two favorite overall plays, I have two this week, are Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott. Drew Brees comes right behind there. Uh, those are the three guys I'm going to be playing in most of my lineups. Uh, a little bit cheaper down the, down the road, I like Alex Smith this week in that, in that game. Uh, but there's not a lot of cheap guys that I like this week. How about you? 
Uh, Russell Wilson, still number one for me, uh, just by a smidge over Drew Brees. Those are my top overall plays. Top mid-range guy on the same page with you with Alex Smith uh, and also considering uh, Mr. Derek Carr in the night game. Uh, any any fades you have this week? Uh, mine's probably uh, Matt Ryan. Um, I'm just not trusting him. The last uh, last four games just been just been too low for me. Uh, I want to see a little bit more. Uh, just simply for the price, Deshaun Watson will not make one of my three main lineups. I play usually heavy on three lineups and then sprinkle in the rest through lower dollar GPPs. Um, that's probably where I'll have some Watson exposure. So um, a fade for me for the most part. Um, Who's your fade? And then tell me your sneaky low percentage play before I tell you mine. Um, I really don't have one this week. If I was really going to get sneaky, I think the way I'd go is actually Jameis Winston and hope that game turns into a shootout. Okay. Uh, My sneaky low percentage play, uh, uh, (laughs) Drew Stanton. Oh, wow. I'm just going to throw it out there. Yeah. We'll just – we'll see what what happens. But, um, you know, don't play them on your main lineups. If you're building a lot of lineups, I'd probably get some Stanton in there myself. So what about uh, what about the running back position? My top overall play easily this week is Kareem Hunt. I love him this week. Yeah, my favorite top overall play, Adrian Peterson. My top mid-range play, Lamar Miller. My mid-range guys that I like, um, I like Chris Thompson. And then uh, I'm, I'm back and forth, but uh, I think with uh, Kellen Benjamin gone, Christian McCaffrey might get enough targets, especially in a full PPR site, to, to play at 6,100. Uh, I don't love him uh. this week, but uh, in the mid-range, I like Chris Thompson more, but uh, I might play him in a couple spots. All right. Uh, my favorite top cheap play, Damian Williams, and my uh, potential fade. Uh, again, I seem to be doing this every week and losing because of it. Leonard Fournette. I'm uh, my top cheap play is Kenyon Drake. So we've got the uh, we have the Minnesota or the Miami situation pretty covered there. Uh, my fade this week is Devonte Freeman. I don't like what I've seen from him in terms of volume lately. Uh, you know, just not getting a lot of carries. I think he has like 31 carries or something the last three weeks. I don't like the way they're using him right now. I'm going to stay away for right now. Uh, any sneaky low percentage guys? I've got Derrick Henry if DeMarco Murray's out. Yeah, I, I think he'll not be low percentage if that happens probably. But uh, mine is Carlos Hyde. I think uh, this might be a, a kind of a quiet game that uh, he could get some. Uh, he gets a lot of volume if the Niners can keep it close. I think they may lean on him a little bit. C.J. Beathard's look bad. They may want to go, uh, go with a little running action this week. Uh, what about receiver? I have three top overall plays I really love. They are Mike Evans, Michael Thomas, and Des Bryant. I'm going to have a lot of them in a lot of spots. Uh, for me, it's Julio Jones, Doug Baldwin, and Michael Thomas. Those are my favorite overall plays. What about uh, what about in the mid range? Who do you like there? Uh, I've got Tyreek Hill, and I guess I, I I guess you maybe consider him a top overall, but uh, Des Bryant just because he's not super highly priced there, and so I've got him listed as a mid range guy. Yeah, that's kind of cheating. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, top cheap play, Marquise Goodwin, John Brown for me. Mine is uh, mine's Tyler Lockett under six thousand. And my mid-range plays, since we moved over those, uh, I like Amari Cooper a little bit in a GPP. I like Demarius Thomas a little bit. And I like Muhammad Sanu uh, as the the coverage shades towards Hulu. I think Sanu has a nice game. Uh, my fade is DeAndre Hopkins, and my sneaky low percentage guys, Sammy Watkins and Brandon Coleman. Uh, interesting. I have Sammy Watkins and Devontae Parker as my sneaky low percentage guys. I'm a full fade on Devin Funches this week. All right. Tight ends. Top overall play for me. Evan Ingram, top mid-range guy, Jared Cook. Mine is uh, mine's Zach Ertz is a top overall play. Love him in that matchup. I think the Broncos, to use your favorite word, are going to funnel uh, funnel the ball in the middle of the field. We'll get a lot of Zach Ertz uh, over the middle. My top mid-range guys, I hate to say it, but I, I like Jack Doyle with the volume, and then I'm with you on Jared Cook also. Uh, I don't really have any fades in the, uh, in the tight end uh, realm, do you? 
No, not a fade, but I'm probably going to be less on the field, uh, less than the field on Jack Doyle. Sneaky low percentage guy going back to the well for that Iowa connection for one last shot. George Kittle, baby. Yeah, I don't really have anybody I love as a sneaky low percentage play. I think Tyler Croft is interesting just because I think uh, I think Andy Dalton's got to get rid of the ball quick underneath to Tyler Croft. Uh, Jacksonville's going to be all over him. Uh, I like Tyler Croft a little bit, but uh, I'm mostly sticking in the in the top overall in the mid-range there. What about defense for you? Jacksonville, my top overall play. I'd just rather pay the extra 100 for them at home. Uh, how about yourself? Uh, yeah, Philly and Jacksonville for me. Uh, I'm going to pay up for most of those guys, kind of like you. Um, I think I'm going to fade Arizona, though. Uh, I just don't like how that defense plays. I love they get to face the 49ers, but the defense is struggling. I hate to take a struggling defense, even in a great matchup, when I can go with someone like Philly or Jacksonville. Yeah, as far as fade, I mean, really, it's it's uh, you know Houston, if I'm, if I'm going to fade anyone here this week. Um, and then just a sneaky low percentage play I'm throwing out there as a sort of a hedge against any Ryan Julio teams I have will be uh, Carolina at home. Yeah, my sneaky low percentage play, I think, is the Rams. I don't think they'll be high percentage on the road. But uh, as always, I like Eli Manning to make uh, make a mistake when I need one. Fair enough. I think uh, that just about covers it. Uh, you know, kicker-wise, I'll probably play a little bit of Mike Nugent for cheap. And uh, like, if I'm paying up, probably the, uh, the, the, the kickers with uh, Houston, New Orleans, and Philadelphia in Fairbairn, Lutz, and Elliott. Yeah, I like Lutz and Elliott, too. I like uh, Ryan Suckup also uh, in that in that game, too. Uh, I think that they Every move, week. The ball, uh, move Yeah, no doubt. I mean, they will, they'll move the ball a little bit, but not score a lot of touchdowns. I like that. On the cheaper side, I like Patrick Murray for the, uh, for the uh, Tampa Buccaneers and a, a little bit of Josh Lambeau, too. Very nice. And, uh, yeah, just before we go on to, uh, to watch this game, um, just wanted to mention real quick that there is a, a, a $5 double up that we've been running for now for three weeks over on Fanball, one of the newest uh, uh, DFS sites. Um, and I'm on there every week with uh, fellow Rotowire guys, John Halpin, host of the NFL podcast, and our social media director, Tim Haney. Nice. Um, and so, you know, jump on in with us, uh, $5 on Fanball. fanball. I think about 200 entries, entries total. Half of them get paid. Um, for the record, I've been uh, uh, top 10 of, in the last two weeks, and so I'm down for a really bad week. So it's a good week to come in and take my money. I see uh, I see John Halpin tweet about how good you are at DFS uh, almost every week. He Last week, <laughs> I, came in, I, I came in fifth. Uh, I looked up. Halpin was in fourth. So there you go. He got some revenge. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Rotowire DFS podcast, uh, NFL style uh, preview for week nine. We really appreciate you listening. Hopefully you enjoy the podcast. Again, hit us up on Twitter. Ask us questions there as the week goes on. We're happy to answer stuff. Uh, we'll probably both, po- both post some, uh, some thoughts, any updates on uh, changes to guys we like, that sort of thing. So make sure to follow us there. Other than that, uh, please rate and review the podcast. We would greatly appreciate that. Anyway, other than that, hope everybody has a fantastic week nine. Vlad, I hope the Dodgers win for you. Thank you, my friend. All right, man. Take it easy. We'll talk to you later. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.